So at that time point, I decided to get to get more adventurous, and I was approached by an individual to buy property to buy a, a small multifamily in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And this is where the the adventure gets a little dicey. I did vet the property. I uh, I didn't actually do my 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 due diligence, and that small multifamily turned out to be a headache. After three years, I wound up selling that property at a loss. Welcome to the Real Estate Mogul MD Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and taking control of your financial future. This is a show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you actionable real-world experience to help you live life by design. You'll hear journeys and stories from other physicians, investors, coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, Brett Riggins. Today's guest shares an amazing journey, starting in the Dominican Republic and then up to New York when coming out of residency, forming a partnership and that partnership going awry, going um, disconnecting while the office was still being renovated. But sometimes uh, the good things are the things that didn't happen. And today's guest uh, built from there his real estate experience, then venturing into purchasing vacant land, developing, building houses, rent to own, flipping houses, a bad experience with an eight unit in Iowa, and so many things in between. He knew he wanted to be a dentist from the age of 13 and has grown so much in thirty more than 30 years of practicing. Um, today, you can listen to him as the note doctor on uh, the notedoctor.com. Learn a little bit more about being a lean lord instead of a landlord. Everybody, please welcome Ivan Terrero to the show. All right, Ivan, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Brett. Uh, how are you doing? Man, I've never been better. And um, there's no reason to complain either because nobody ever listens and doesn't matter, right? That's true. That is so true. And you're coming to us from the beautiful sunshine state of Florida. Yes. Right now, we're suffering under uh, 70 degrees, actually 72 degrees. And yes. it's nice and breezy. The humidity has uh, transitioned to uh, about 30%. So it's 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 a rough life. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love that you said suffering, too. It's just we all feel so bad for you. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. I'm actually in the Carolinas, so I, I just don't think I've moved far enough south yet. There's still, I need more palm trees, maybe, you know, to get a little closer to the coast, but more palm trees, more heat. It gets down around 60, you know, 50s now, and I'm like, uh, I need to keep going south. Well, you know, I think you should enjoy where you're at because uh, that's where you're at. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Being present. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to touch on that just a little bit as we go through here. And we always love starting the conversations off with the medical background. So you're a dentist. So tell us a little bit about how that started. Um, I I know I read on your website, thenotedoctor.com, that you knew you wanted to be a dentist since you were 13 years old. That's right. That's right. So back then, uh, we were on a government program and our previous dentist, I had a Jewish last name. I don't remember his last name. I remember he had a mustache and he smoked and his teeth, at least to my eyes, when I was uh, that age, his teeth were green. Oh, wow. So we switched dentists. Now, remember this name forever. His name is Dr. J. Everett Rose. He was an African-American. I found out later that he, that he also smoked. He also had a mustache. But his office, his private office, 
was impeccable. He wore his white robe. He had a secretary. He answered all my questions. And when I left the office the first time, I said, I want to be like him. And he was my inspiration to become a dentist. He was actually a um, World War II vet. Wow. I went to Howard University on the GI Bill. Wow. So please tell me that you don't smoke. I don't smoke at all. No. Okay, because you no. see, you have a mustache, and I was just yes. putting the pieces together. Yeah, yes, I no, <laughs> I don't smoke. Unfortunately, I tried that when I was, I think, at ten or eleven. I tried oh, wow. the smoke, and uh, I was coughing for for about fifteen minutes. I said, "This is not for me." Wow! 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 Mm-hmm. Wow! Wow! So, on to the journey of dentistry we go, um, and then coming uh, into practice. Did you start by yourself? Did you start working with other um, dentists? Tell us a little bit about that. So I was a little bit entrepreneurial. I had finished my residency at Harlem Hospital, Columbia University. And a friend of mine said, why don't we start a practice together? I mean, we had, we were compatible. So we started a practice from scratch, but mid through the construction, he said, I can't do this anymore. I, I, he had his own practice. He, this one, this was going to be his satellite practice. So what I did was I took over the construction and built the office. Uh, by myself. Wow. Yes. Wow. So I wonder how many relationships out there are partnerships fold, fail, capitulate right from the get go. Well, since we were friends, it was a friendly, amicable, it was an amicable uh, um, split. We are still friends today. And actually, actually, he's, I consider him one of my best friends in personally. And he was a dentist too? Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. And I, we, I mean, we went- we went to school together. Um, he had started practice before I did because I, I did a two-year residency at um, in New York. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, even in my um, own experience, that 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 idea or maybe just the, the young type of relationships when you're new to business, maybe mm-hmm. that's a better question. When you're new to business, how many partnerships fail right out of the gate that way? You know, because yes. it's a little different. Amicable or not, just that idea of you get rolling and things are just a little different. You're not quite vetting that other person out as much as really you should because you're, you're, you may be choosing a lifelong partner. That's true. That's true. We had vetted each other out personally and, and, and in dental school. So we knew what each other liked and didn't like. And I thought it was a good fit. And at the end, uh, he couldn't continue with the partnership. Yep. And it was actually before the office was, was completed. Yep. So it, it was it turned out to be my own office. Yeah. And some of the things are the some of the best things are the things that never happened in the first place. So ultimately, exactly. the friendship's still there. Yes. Uh, everything worked out great. You guys were able to to decide and split and, and at a good time. And then you picked up the project. So you're going from um, fixing the smiles to fixing contractors. I mean, tell us a little bit about that uh, construction experience. And how long ago was this? This was 33 years ago. Wow. Well, congratulations for being in business for 33 years. (laughs) So um, he had the basic construction plans. I took over. He gave me the plans and it was a simple office. It was a two chair office. And I had to deal with uh, construction and the regulations of of New York City. And it took, I guess, back then it was there was there were less there was less paperwork. And what helped us was that it was a previous dental office that had been uh, closed for about a year and a half. So we modernized it and uh, we made it our own. 
Nice. So we're talking about a, not necessarily a full build-out, but still just an interior renovation. Well, you can say it was a full build-out because the dentist that was there previously was there for about 40 years. Oh, wow. So he had his old equipment, and uh, we had to make it thoroughly modern. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So at this point, summing the years up, I mean, that, that dentist would have started there like 70 years ago. Holy exactly. cow. Yes. Wow. So as, from a, New as York- a matter of fact, he was he was uh, best friends of one of my attendings at the hospital. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we're, we're in New York and now you're you're talking to us from Florida and you were basically injected right into the real estate in, uh, world. But you're probably leasing that space that you did the build out in. Correct. Yes. So yes. when when does your first taste of of real estate happen, real estate ownership happen? My first taste of real estate ownership happened. I was reading the New York Times, uh, the classifieds, and towards the back of the classifieds, I saw an ad for lots for sale in Cape Coral, Florida. And at the time, I had bought a a used vehicle, which cost me five grand, and the lot for sale was 4,500. Wow. I said, well... I can't, I don't think I could lose. So I did some research and bought the lot sight unseen. So what was your plans with that lot? So the plans with that lot was to hold on to it. Um, I could have to go back to to my childhood. Um, We're from the Dominican Republic. And my dad in New York had a small business called Bodegas, uh, Bodega, a small supermarket. And all the time that he was working there, he said, I'm going to move back to the Dominican Republic. And I found out later that he kept buying land and buying properties. So he has, when, when we moved to the Dominican Republic when I was 15, he had set up an import-export business. But that business failed. Talk about partnerships. He had two other partners, and they weren't doing things uh, the right way or kosher, as they say in New York. Mm-hmm. And he wound up losing the business. But what actually saved us is that he had all these properties that he had bought previously and sold off a couple of the properties to uh, put bread on the table. In Dominican? In Dominican, yes. Oh, wow. Wow, that's cool. So So, you were kind of conditioned then at this point of just buying land and holding on to it. Yes, exactly. And one thing my, my, my dad always did when he bought residential properties, he always bought corner lots. I don't know why, but he always bought corner lots. Hmm. Interesting. So it just so happens that I bought a corner lot in Cape Coral. In Cape Coral. And um, what is the journey of that particular piece of land? Do you still have it now? Did you build on it? Did you sell it? So what I did was I held on to it for a couple of years. Then I was approached by a developer. And this was an unusual twist. Usually develop a house and, and either sell it or rent it. What we did then is that we developed a model called rent-to-own. So we sourced individuals that couldn't qualify for traditional mortgages. Uh, basically, we financed the, the property for them, and um, they became owners after a certain period, usually five years. Interesting. Interesting. So you built the house uh, on the land. You did a rent-to-own scenario. Mm-hmm. And then how... I guess from New York to Florida, were you visiting back and forth? How did you split that gap? I actually never set foot in Florida during during that time. Wow! Very I cool. actually went to went to to Florida 
I guess about 10 years afterwards. In, no, I'm sorry. It was in 1999, I believe. Yes. So we're... That's a totally different time period when it comes to virtual acquisitions. I can't imagine. I mean, how did you, what type of due diligence were you able to do then on a property? Like now it's it's pretty straightforward. I can pretty much do everything except for get the dirt on my boot from the soil. You know, I could have it overnighted to me, but... Right. So what I did was I had a friend who lived in the area and I asked him about, about this area. And he said, yes, it's an up and coming area. And I had, I was fortunate enough to have that friend and he was able to, to vet, first of all, the, uh, the, the construction company and the, um, the lot because I could have bought, uh, you know, sand next mm-hmm. to the river or yeah, next unbuildable. To yeah. yeah. Unbuildable. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So where where do we go from there then? We've got this house. I mean, that's a early, early on getting into real estate and just learning now here recently that it's kind of something that was conditioned in you. Your father was doing that all along the way. So where does your real estate investment career go from then? And you're still doing dentistry throughout yes. all of this. Yep. Yes. So what happens is that at that time in Cape Coral, the lots were very cheap. So I bought a total of seven lots. And we follow the same model. We, we did build, uh, rent to own. Nice. Knowing now what I know then, I should have kept those, those properties. Yeah. Yeah. Hold it on. Yeah. Buy on, buy and hold on forever. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. But at the same time, I felt that we were fulfilling a, uh, a need, a niche for people that could not qualify for a conventional mortgage. Uh, most of the buyers were, um, Individuals that had their own businesses. Some of them were recent immigrants that didn't have bank accounts and, but they were, they were getting paid and we were, we vetted them. Mm-hmm. So I felt that at the end of the day, we provided, we provided them with the service. Yeah. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. And then seven lots into what, what, what comes next and what, what time point are we at here? So, Ivan? so at that time point, I decided to get, to get more adventurous and I was approached by an individual. To buy property, to buy a, a small multifamily in Iowa, mm-hmm. and this is where the the adventure gets a little dicey. I did vet the property. I uh, I didn't actually do my 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 due diligence, and that small multifamily turned out to be a headache. Um, so after three years, I wound up selling that property at a loss. Oh wow. What 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 about that was a headache and what are some of the mistakes that you picked up along the way? Well, the area was in a C-class neighborhood which I knew I knew um getting into that the property was it that it wasn't a C-class neighborhood, but it was supposed to be an up and coming neighborhood. So but the thing that the neighborhood never came up and and went, it just stayed as a C-class neighborhood. It actually got worse. Mhm. And we were having problems with tenants and collecting rents, even though I had a property manager. Um, and I wanted to be hands off as possible, but this definitely did not work. How many units were there? There were two, uh, four unit, uh, properties. Okay. So eight units overall. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Wow. So that was kind of a bad taste into multi. So we're going from kind of land to building on the land to rent to own into Maltese and then then what? So then I took a hiatus from from real estate. I decided to invest. It'll burn in, you up a little bit on yeah, that exactly, one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I just, this is around 1999. For those of us old enough to remember, this was the go go years of the internet. 
Mm-hmm. And there were stocks like uh, Qualcomm, which would um, move 100 points in, in a day. So I decided to dabble into into options, buying and selling options. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then the rise and somewhat fall of the dot-com, did that push you back into real estate then? Exactly. How, how'd you guess? <laughs> it pushed me back into real estate because I thought I, w- I was a genius. I was buying and selling options, but actually the market was helping me without me knowing it. Yep. And uh, when 2000 came around with a dot-com bust, um, burst everybody's bubble, I took, a, I took a step back and decided to go back into land, into the Southwest Florida area. Southwest Florida and land. And mm-hmm. is that when the uh, Note Doctor is born? Actually, the Note Doctor was born later. Uh, okay. I, I was approached by the same person in Cape Coral, the same developer, and we bought... Well, what I think was one of the first uh, vacation uh, rental uh, vacation properties in Kissimmee. So we built one of those properties and we had that for a while. Then we built another rental owned property in Kissimmee. And what actually pushed me into the, the note doctor is that that tenant uh, took six months uh, for us, didn't pay us rent for six months. Oh, wow. It took us seven months to get that tenant out. And when she left the property, she had trashed the property. This was in 2005. And then she had caused around $12,000 in, in damage to get the property up to, up to speed. So what we did is that we fixed the property up and sold it. And flipped it at that point. Exactly. Exactly. And at the same time, my brother, who was an accountant in New York, he, most, most of his, a lot of his, his clients were small bodega owners and a couple of his clients could not get financing for for uh, equipment purchases. So my brother approached me and said, why don't, you know, I, I can vet these people. Uh, do you have money to lend? I said, sure. So we wrote up a contract and that started my my foray into the note business. So I became a lender of last resort. Not a loan shark, but a lender of last resort. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Lender of last resort. And that last instance there with the um, kind of like, sh- not necessarily short term, but the vacation rental aspect, that tenant, and it just it instantly pushes like memories and experiences and pains into my mind and thinking of who does that? Who treats people like that? You know who does that? I've been the same person that's going to give me as much crap as possible, make me feel guilty about them having to fill out a paper to apply to go look at a property. That's yes. who does that. That's exactly. why they have to fill out the application, right? Exactly. Exactly. So that, that kind of puts a sour taste in your in your mouth um, and pushes you maybe back towards land. And that's when the land doctor comes around and you made this comment about being a lean lord instead of a landlord. So tell exactly. us a little bit about what you're doing now with the note doctor and what's the difference? Who's the tenant? Who's not the tenant? So, so let me go back. You know, when we were trying to get that tenant out of the property, guess who still had to pay the mortgage? You did. I still had to pay the mortgage. One hundred percent. So yep. the bank was was still getting their money, but I wasn't getting the rent. Yeah. So that transitioned me again to being the the lender of last resort with these uh, uh, small uh, bodega owners. And what really, you know, I'm kind of adventurous. I have to admit, um, I have a ex employee who moved to Georgia. He is in construction. 
And he said, Doc, why don't we do a fix and flip? It was supposed to be a high-end fix and flip. Excuse me. We got a contractor. He was supposed to be vetted by, by my ex-employee. And uh, make a long story short, uh, I lost money on that high-end fix and flip. Uh, so, and at the same time, I had a, I, w- I had bought a mobile home and sold it rent to own to the tenant. And this was in Texas. And at the end of that, at the end of the year, I started, I, I went and, and did my, my, my math. I said, well, with this fix and flip, I spent X amount of time and I lost X amount of money. With this mobile home, I calculated my, my, my yield and it just, just blew me away. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it was night and day. And the amount of work that I had to do to maintain or to, to, um, to, to, to um, what's the word I'm searching for? Uh, to follow on that on that mobile home uh, note was was minimal work. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It almost makes me think if there is a an emotional factor we could put into our return calculations, like IRR mm-hmm. is a factor yes. of time, right? Where is the emotional factor in exactly. this? Because we talk about the stress. In the idea of, all right, it takes me this, not only does it take me this long to make this much money, it takes me actually this much time, my time invested my time. in this. Exactly. And then on top of that, the stress that's parallel, it's almost like a multiplier that should go into these things. Exactly. And then risk. I mean, the risk, you do a high-end flip, the more than likely you open up the walls. As soon as you open up the walls, you open up the can. And as soon as you open up the can, you never know. Is there a line set? Is there a hole? Is there gold? Is there dead animals? You know, there's just so much risk that goes into that. And and the other factor is, even though the contractor was vetted, his workers weren't vetted. I mean, he had problems uh, keeping workers. I don't know whether it was, it was his fault or the workers' fault. Um, so yeah. uh, the the project was delayed about seven months. And uh, I thought that was excessive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A delay seven months. Yeah. The, the whole thing should have been done in maybe half that time. Huh? It, was, it, was, it was supposed to be a quick three month uh, yeah. fix and flip. We were supposed to make uh, 100% on our, our return on, on our investment. But I wound up losing around $60,000. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's a big spanking there. Big spanking. So yeah, back to the, the, the notes then. I mean, then because you're always securing the asset, you always have the asset to, to recover. Yes. Yes. So what happens is when I write a note, basically I become the bank. So what I do is with the, with the borrower, we set the terms, we set the interest rate, we set the, the, um, fees that are involved. Just like, just like a, uh, your mortgage. Mm-hmm. If you're late 30 days, you get a notice. If you're late 60 days, you get a notice. If you're late 90 days, you probably be go to foreclosure. Mm-hmm. And do you, in your team, you've basically built out with these uh, pieces that doesn't require your time for that to happen. Is that correct? Exactly. I, I built a team around around me where they we can source mobile homes or or the homes, and we can source uh, tenants also. Interesting. Uh, no, what about the, I've, the, I've developed a, uh, a relationship with hedge funds and banks that have these notes for sale. Interesting. And what about the actual collection of payment and all of that? How do how do the um, borrowers pay you? 
But my first note, it was my brother who was, who was, who was uh, collecting the money. Now we use a service that we use a third party service. Oh, that makes it really easy. Third party service. It makes service. it really easy. And the servicer already has the, the steps to take if the borrower doesn't make a payment. So it's basically, I'm basically hands off. Uh, unless the borrower is late more than 90 days. And then it's time to foreclose. Well, what we do is our goal is not to take the property back. Our goal is to keep the tenant in the property. Again, I don't want to be a landlord. I want to be a landlord. Mm-hmm. So then- what we do is we do as much as possible to modify the loan and get partial payments so the tenant can stay in the home. Uh, interesting. I see. I see. And and now where you're at um, with the Note Doctor, and this is website I'm looking at here, thenotedoctor.com, um, you're looking to share the experience, share the opportunities, and work with other people doing this. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. I want to share my, my experience again because I've been through the ringer of trying to fix and flip a home, being a landlord, uh, being a, a multifamily uh, owner. I think that notes are the best place to be for someone who wants to be passive. Mm-hmm. And it fits passive. well into my lifestyle as, as a, as a dentist. Cause I'm so, I'm, I am still a full-time dentist. And that, that would be, I guess, sharing then the resources. The first thing that pops into my mind that requires time is the acquisition piece, the sourcing of the deals. Yes. Yes. I've been blessed that we, I have a partner who sources the deals. In the last three years, we've been focusing on, on mobile homes. Because it is part of we've we have a secondary foundation, a uh, a nonprofit where we provide uh, affordable housing to single moms, mm-hmm. and our focus has been uh, single moms. Interesting. Are you in certain markets acquiring uh, the mobile homes, or what does that look like? Right now, we're in Georgia, we're in Florida, and Arkansas. Georgia, Florida, and Arkansas. Very nice. And we're what? opening, opening, uh, yeah, I can't say we're opening. We have connections in Illinois and we're still working on that, on, on the model in Illinois. Yep. Yep. What would you say are some of your biggest, um, takeaways or learning moments in the note world and investing in notes? I think just like anything else, it has to be that you have to vet the operator more than the property. Uh, so this this uh, industry is built on relationships. The bet, if you can find someone you can trust and that that works with integrity, I think that's the best, uh, the most important thing. Absolutely. And that vet the operator is the same way in the multifamily world. I've heard it said vet the jockey. You vet the jockey, not the horse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same way. And, and you're right. This, uh, whether it's note buying, um, landlord or lien lord, you're still in the world of real estate because those notes are secured by that asset, that real asset. And the idea that real estate is the, uh, business of relationships and being yeah. able to build those relationships around people that have like, uh, share like values, share, um, you know, the, the same direction, the same drive, those kinds of things. It makes the path much more enjoyable. We joked around in the beginning, I'm in Carolina and you're in, in Florida and you had it just right. And you said, enjoy where you're at. And that's exactly, exactly what we're about. Exactly. Exactly. So if you could go back, say, 15 years, Ivan, 
and uh, set beside somebody that's in dentistry doing real estate 15 years ago, what would you tell them? The first thing that I would tell them is if you can own your own building, that would be great. Your own office building, because that will set a base for you to to develop uh, more advanced strategies. And I think based on my experience that being a note holder, being a lien lord, far outweighs the benefits of being a landlord. So these, um, I actually have a colleague who is considering selling his private practice to mm-hmm. a private equity firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just made me think there, maybe part of that deal would be to maintain the real estate and lease it to the private equity firm. That can be done. I have a friend who's done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but usually with private equity, they want the real estate and the business. Yeah, everything. Right, right, right. So for those for those um, dentists out there or, or physicians out there selling their practice, do you have any any um, experience or any colleagues who have any experience that said, hey, Ivan, when you do this, don't forget to do this? Uh, yes, a lot of them. <laughs> yep. And what would anything stick out to you in your mind, uh, whether it's with the real estate or the business or anything? I think as a... A person in the healthcare industry, at least, well, let me be more specific. As a dentist, we tend to be more, um, what's the word? What's the proper word? The nice word. To be uh, more trusting. Mm-hmm. And a lot of dentists uh, can fall prey. A lot of this can be gullible. And I found that out with my first job, my first uh, as a dental assistant. I was working with a, a dentist and back then he would get calls from brokers and he would answer every call. and he lost a lot of money that way. It yeah. wasn't until he he found a partner that set him straight that was able to to uh, steer him away from these shikesers. Yeah, yes, trustworthy, and then um also kind of like stumbling on that um what's it called coattail investing where yeah. this guy did it, so I'm automatically exactly. trusting it and going exactly. in with that. And exactly. yeah, it's just, just a crazy spot. Well, Ivan, I appreciate your time, man. It's been a wonderful conversation and just kind of like in my mind, seeing this movie of your lifetime and the, and the, uh, investments and, and, you know, the, the goods and the bads along the way. So we really appreciate you sharing that journey mm-hmm. and planting those seeds and just being able to offer that as help. And everybody's got their own journey. Um, but when we can share our journey with others so we can learn from each other, it's just going to make our journeys much more enjoyable. Yeah, so thank you for your time. Again, it's been a, uh, it's been a, a, a nice time speaking with you. Yeah. Uh, my, my throat is dry, so I have to drink some water. Yeah, yeah. Drink some water. And then on top of that, I just want to mention the notedoctor.com is a, a wonderful place if you want to connect with Ivan um, and learn a little bit more about being a lean lord. Uh, and some of the opportunities that he has going on right now. Uh, reach out to him. You can connect with him at thenotedoctor.com. You can schedule a meeting with him. You can join his mailing list. Uh, and yeah, stay connected. So if you have any questions for us, you can email us at uh, info at physicianwealthsystems.com. If you have uh, would like to be on the show, if you know somebody that's either selling a practice or thinking about buying a house or getting into multifamily, or has wonderful, wonderful experience uh, stories to share with us, reach out to us, let us know. And in the meantime, thank you for your time and thank you for your attention this evening. Real Estate Mogul MD.